All right, welcome back to episode 19 of the 20 Pages Book Club. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, on today's episode, we're going to talk through a quick weekend recap. Um, we will then finish Village of the Flower Moon, talking through chapters 20 through the end. Um, we will then give our scores on the book, see where it ranks with our previous um, novels that we've read. Then we will talk about the movie. Each one of the members um, have watched the movie um, since it came out just roughly two days ago. So we'll give our thoughts on the movie versus the book. And then lastly, we'll finish up with uh, a wheel for our next book. Each of the five members have picked five books. We will put it in uh, the wheel and we will see what our next book is. So looking forward to a great episode. Let's go. All right, welcome back. Episode 19 of the 20 Pages Book Club. We got a lot to talk about today. Um, so, and we're really excited. I know each of the members were looking forward to this meeting. So, I'm going to just get started with a quick weekend recap. Uh, we'll quickly go through what happened this weekend and then we'll get right into it. So, Tyler, why don't you start us off? Um, I was a homebody this weekend, but I was able to watch Nebraska pull off the double victory, of course, in football and volleyball. Football, they beat Northwestern volleyball uh they beat number one wisconsin so we are still undefeated so proud alumni uh at the moment but uh that was the most of my weekend um i watched the ufc fights the ufc card was pretty bad so it's just in my mind uh it just it went went over my head almost uh but yeah that was all for me what about you kev uh, pretty similar. Didn't really do much this weekend. On Friday, I saw the movie, and that took up a good chunk of my night. I did and see then, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was that took up basically my entire Friday after work, and then Saturday, well, I guess yesterday, had a soccer game. We won. If we win on Tuesday, we'll win regular season for conference, and then we'll have a bye this next weekend. So possibly we'll be back in the St. Charles area next weekend because I haven't been home in forever. And my family wants to see me, so if you guys are, and if you guys are in town, maybe we can get some beers or something. Uh, and besides that, yeah, Cousin's it was a pretty, what's up? Cousin's birthday on uh, Saturday, so I'm going to be here, but if you want to come out. Yeah, maybe I'll come down. Chicago. You can, yeah. sleep, you can sleep in my bed. Don't. Or mine. Uh, or both. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be here, so you could definitely sleep in my bed. Ooh. Okay. Oh, well, he was saying it because he's not going to be here. <laughs> you too, right? <laughs> yeah, You're also not gonna no, I'm going to be here. Oh, different reason. Oh, my bad. Yeah, but uh, pretty nothing really too exciting this weekend. So, what about you, Christian? What did you think? Uh, what did you think of the Iowa loss, Tyler? Dude, great question, Christian. That's a great question, Christian. So, picture this. I. I'm watching on my phone and I'm sitting in like our coach's office. I'm watching and I see the kick returned. And then we have like our, I go like literally right as it happens, like we're about to have our team talk. So I just turn off my phone and I'm like, let's fucking go. And I walk into the locker room and then we have like our team talk or whatever. And then I walk out back into the coach's room and all of a sudden I just see on my phone, Tyler Newbin has started a live video on Instagram and I'm like, what oh no. oh no i was like wait what did we not just win 
and then I open it, and it's him just holding the big pig trophy and like flexing. I'm like, <laughs> what happened? And then I watched back that they called that a fair catch, which is just fucking ridiculous. But yeah, I I somewhat thought that call was ridiculous too. I, I agree. I'm not an Iowa fan, but that was a ridiculous call. I'm not gonna lie. And they went over the signals with the refs before the game. Like they literally had the conversation before the fair game. Fair catch signals. Yeah. And the, I mean, the rule states that you have to be above your head, and he was below his head. So I don't really get what the, like, to call a fair catch, you have to. It's a, it's above like, your waist. You're sure. I thought it was above your head. Uh, the way that oh, the no. Iowa fans reacted made me like, not care as much that it was a bad call. That's gonna be a forever, forever meme of him, like, when he like hears that it was overturned. <laughs> That's an Serbian meme from Since you guys have no offense, Cooper DeJana should honestly be in the Heisman running because he, I think he's responsible for like, yeah, I want to say like a quarter of your guys' points, which is just ridiculous as like a punt returner. We shouldn't <laughs> even have scored the t- one lone touchdown we scored. We literally tried like four QB sneaks and finally got into the end zone because Newman had a foul on the goal line and we got a fresh set of downs. Well, we should have points. I'm going to miss the Big Ten West. I really am. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all that I have to say at this moment in time. <laughs> Game under protest. That's what you have to say. Cause... Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Christian. Uh, yeah. So, what did I do Friday? Nothing. Watch the movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Watch the movie on Friday. Um, Four hours of your life. I heard there was a debacle uh, about getting to the movie on time. What was that? Okay, so there was a debacle on getting the movie on time. So we went out to eat before. <laughs> I look so pissed. <laughs> and then me, me and cousins had to stop at 7-Eleven. First off, Tyler missed. No, I can't. No, I didn't. No, oh my god. Yes, he did. Stop. We all, we all, dude. We you all thought the movie? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, hijack it. Uh, hijack he, it. He's gonna try to say I said the movie started at 7:30. I never said that anywhere. Didn't we all say, "Oh, our showing is at 7.30? No, you Did we not all. You, Jared and I did. You got you got wrapped up in what Jared and Kevin were saying in the group chat, and you just tuned out what I was saying. Okay, Tyler never said 7.15. So went to get dinner. We went to 7-Eleven, and then we show up. Uh, cousins had to get popcorn, and then because <laughs> cousins because cousins was getting popcorn, I went to get a drink. So then we walked in, and the movie had already started. And then oh, you missed the best part. We were trying to find our seats, and Tyler, I thought that he was going through the entire row to get to the seat, like cutting across everybody. So we went around, and we didn't sit in our seats. Like we sat at the edge. I sat by myself. Uh, yeah, Tyler sat by himself. So yeah, under protest, little little bit of a debacle uh with but it was fine we didn't miss much i don't think there was much at the beginning we we show we show up to the here's the real we show up to the movie theater 10 minutes late because these guys had to get zins at 7 11 and then we get in the theater and then cousins gets in the longest line for popcorn there's four lines and he picks the longest one and then i would have just gone into the movie theater without him no because i have the tickets all of the tickets and so I mean, I was considering just walking myself and leaving him, but, uh, and then, and then Cousins gets out of the popcorn line. Now we're 15 minutes late. And then he goes, I got a piss. 
Uh, also, Brandon missed the best scene in the movie. The he missed the uh, fuck. I can I can I put can I say a spoiler? I mean, all right. <laughs> he missed the best. He missed the best scene in the movie. We'll talk about the best. Yeah. scene. It was it was it was kind of a debacle at the beginning, but it's all right. We saw the whole movie. No no damage done. Besides, like I heard the first forty five minutes was super slow anyways, so we kinda cut maybe fifteen minutes of that out. Uh yeah, some so, yeah. trailers. Yeah, I know. Tyler wanted to see the Napoleon trailer and we missed that. But it's there's, a Bob Marley, there's a Bob Marley biopic coming out too. I'm proud of myself. I didn't go to the bathroom one time during the movie. Me either. Me neither. Look at us. I missed a whole bag of mini, mini, uh, mini sweethearts too. I think my blood sugar spiked, but yeah, you got the canker sores in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then Saturday, yesterday, I went out, and uh, now I'm here with you guys, Jared. Go. Yeah, Friday. Watched once to see the movie. It was weird. I thought no one else was going to be in my movie theater, but then similar to how you guys, everyone showed up either as the movie was starting or like late, which I couldn't comprehend. Like I, like that just seemed like. Well, there's reasons. Well, yeah, reasons. I, I was by myself, so like I, I, I went. Uh, there was people out of town in Dallas, so I went by myself. So I got there like a little bit earlier, and I could. I thought I would have been to see the movie by myself, so. Turns out it was actually a packed theater by the time the movie actually started. So, um, yeah. And on Saturday, what did I do? Watched Illinois just rip my heart out. I don't even know what to say to that game, but that was just brutal. But like I said, they pull you back in and they just rip your heart Game's out. Game's under so, protest. Game's under protest. The game is under protest. I will say we did shit the bed, but that targeting changed the whole game. That targeting changed the whole game. That was so, a bad call. That was bad. That was actually you know, a like I understand, like the penalty, like the rule is the rule, but ejecting a player for the rest of the game, and then he's going to have to miss our bye week, or he's going to have to miss not next week to run bye, but the week following first first half is just ridiculous. But I digress. Um, change the whole complexion of the game. And we shit the bed. No excuses. But game's under protest. Uh, yeah. Other than that, get uh, some other stuff, small stuff. But yeah, uh, that's all for me. So why don't we get into our chapters finishing with Codes of the Flower Moon. Like I, like I always mentioned, if you haven't read to this point, go back, listen to other uh, episodes. Uh, but yeah, time to take it away. Yeah, I'm really excited to get through these chapter summaries. I think we're going to have a hard time differentiating between the book and the movie, but we'll try oh. our best. <clears throat> with that, we left off on chapter 20. Uh, so that's where we're going to pick up uh, chapter 20. So help you God. In July 1926, the trial of Hale and Ramsey began for the death of Henry Roan. In preparation, White discovered that Hale had been asking Blackie to not testify, in addition to get rid of Ernest. White was more concerned with the jury itself rather than the evidence. On July 29th, the trial began. On July 30th, Ernest was called to the stand. He carried on supporting the prosecution. On August 7th, the prosecution rested. With that, the defense and Hale took to the stand. While compelling, White felt confident in his case. On August 20th, the jury began deliberations. After several weeks, it became clear the trial was going to be hung. To White, this was a shocker. It didn't fare well. If they couldn't find 12 honest people, it would be a problem. Despite the obstructions, they carried on to the second trial. This time, Molly took the stand. It only served to disparage her. With that, the second trial was over. On October 28th, the jury made a decision. They found Hale and Ramsey guilty of their crimes. Hale was shocked they would 
be convicted. However, they opted for life imprisonment instead of a death sentence. A year later, the trial of Anna Brown began. Morrison once again took the side of Hale, hoping to gain favor. Molly listened as Brian recounted the systemic killing of her sister. With every story, she became terrified of Ernest and couldn't bear to look him in the eye. After a quick trial, Morrison was convicted. Hoover achieved his goal. The Bureau had become nationally recognized as admirable. With that, Hoover covered up the earlier accidents like Blackie Thompson killing a police officer while under their watch, crafting a great origin story for his new department. Hoover did grant White and his agents a pay increase, but didn't give them public credit, instead using the case to bolster his own image. However, White was thanked personally by the Osage Tribal Council for his efforts. In addition, he was promoted to the warden of the Lavensworth Prison. Soon after, a pair of prisoners arrived. It was Hale and Ramsey. Alright, so we, we get the conviction here, and then the ultimate payoff, which is uh, White follows them to jail, which is kind of funny. <laughs> or they follow White to his jail. Thoughts on that? Yeah. I thought it was kind of, it, it speaks to Tom White's, uh, I guess, sure. morals, character, the fact that, like, they respected him even after everything. Yeah, they, like, walk into the jail, and they're like, oh, hey. Hey, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> like, shake his hand. I kind of thought it was surprising that the indictment actually came down. I thought there was going to be some, like, strings pulled, and I guess later out we find out get pardoned but i i thought it was uh it was interesting that there was no like final strings being pulled so i'm glad that they actually got at least some time in jail he got pardoned and then wasn't didn't Ernest move back to osage country yes and like a trail part yeah. with his brother yeah it's, it's, it's so it's crazy just crazy yeah it's a little ridiculous any other thoughts on that kind of just it was kind of the culmination of them finally getting convicted but it was kind of written in the stars at this point um just had to get over the jury it's a good song oh written in the stars <laughs> is that lupe fiasco i think so uh, all right chapter 21 <laughs> the hothouse uh the prison was referred to as the hothouse due to the scorching temperatures within the prison walls he was strict but fair and fought for rehabilitation and better conditions for the prisoners. In 1930, he performed the first hanging despite being morally opposed. In regards to Hale, White treated him kindly and made sure his family had ample opportunities to visit him. Despite the warm conditions, Hale never admitted to the crimes. In addition, he continued to try and bribe his way out of jail. These efforts were a failure. Until obviously they're not. But meanwhile, in Osage, Molly began to integrate herself back into society in church. She would she would remarry a man named John Cobb. In 1931, Molly overcame the system of guardianship and was granted her full rights and money. In 1931, White was taken hostage by a group of members from the Al Spencer gang, hoping to break out. They would use him as a shield while security and local forces hunted them down. They even took an 18-year-old girl hostage. She ran away, and White protected her in the chaos, taking a shotgun shell from close range. He was knocked out by a rifle butt and left to die. He was found and rushed to the hospital. Somehow, he survived. The convicts were caught. Boxcar shot himself and two others. Meanwhile, some returned to prison. White still treated them with kindness. Later on, White would move to Latuna, a less strenuous location. 
Hoover continued to solidify the department. In 1930, a series of events would reshape the department, the kidnapping of Charles Lindbergh's baby and the Kansas City Massacre, an incident where several lawmen were shot by members of the Al Spencer gang. After this event, the department gained further responsibilities and permissions, including carrying firearms. Hoover would carry on in his role for decades. It would take until 1972 for his abuses of power to be made public. Meanwhile, Wright retired in the 1950s and pondered writing about the case. He didn't want the story to die with history. He teamed up with writer Fred Grove, but no publisher picked up the story. In 1971, White passed after suffering a stroke. Hoover sent flowers in acknowledgement. The Bureau would release documents to help preserve the honor, but they still missed something. There was another layer to the case, a deeper, darker, even more terrifying conspiracy, which the Bureau had never exposed. All right, I wrote a question. <clears throat> This is the end of Chronicle 2, so it kind of leaves us on a cliffhanger for Chronicle 3. But we wrap up the story with the characters as we know them before we indulge into the next part. White, what stands out about White? We talked in previous meetings about his character and background. Uh, as we see the rest of his life unfold, what stood out? Obviously. I think one of the... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I think there was an interesting quote for when at the part where Boxcar and the other two killed themselves, where they're like, if we try to escape and we are about to get caught like we're just going to kill ourselves because we all want to go back and be basically like abused by the guards and he's like we'll face like grave punishment but then i think that's a testimony to white's character that the few guys that didn't kill themselves and actually did go back to the prison were treated essentially exactly the same and white even told the guards like hey don't like nothing don't do anything shady like treat them just like they were any other prisoner which that really speaks to White's character, and that kind of wraps back around to that chapter that Christian didn't like about White's background. But I guess that's probably why it was implemented, just to show his his character and that he was the right guy for this Osage case, and then also to be the warden of this prison. But it makes you wonder kind of if it was somebody else in the lead role in Osage County, if everything would have been handled the same, and if that he would have if it was somebody that was less, because uh, obviously White didn't like violence, if it was somebody that was more violent, would there have been more killings and more like outbreak and then more deaths just between like the FBI and the uh, community of Osage or in Osage County? Yeah. Any thoughts on Mahler? She finally broke out of her guardianship. Yeah, I mean, that was. Another thing I was surprised, I was actually surprised at the passing of their, they kind of were able to get away from the guardianship. Um, but Edgar J. Hoover just kind of comes off as like an ass in this book. Like, it's like basically the only reason the Bureau was anything that it was is because of Tom White and his crew being able to like crack a large case for the FBI. And he kind of just like used them and then kind of like tossed them to the side and kind of rubbed their coattails to what the FBI is today. So. I'd like to read more about Hoover and kind of get some other insight into what he was like. In this book, he does come off as somewhat of a narcissist, I think, and like wants the spotlight on himself, even though it was said that he was never in the field. He was kind of always in his office, like uh, like a puppet master, almost pulling the strings behind the scenes. So I'd like to get some some better insight into Hoover and maybe hear some other opinions. Yeah. Actually, it was just like the way that the book portrayed him. I'm like, actually like that. 
Yeah, Hoover was def- um, definitely at the Capitol building on January 6th. In our in our year-end awards, I think Molly has to be put up there with one of the best characters. She's a fighter. Yeah, she is a fighter. What? I went over my head. I don't, I don't yeah, whatever Bracel just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no one else knows what he's talking about. So. Hopefully the viewers will, will, will back me up, but um, all right. Any other thoughts before we move to chapter 22? Sorry, Christian. I know uh, we are, I was sending hand signals while you're talking. But... I was going to say, um, I remember last week I would say I was worried that chapter, like part three was going to like not pique my interest. Well, I'm glad that Grant put a cliffhanger at then because I was like, I was like, oh God, like this story's ending so quick. And then I like that he pulled me back in because I think it's important. Like if you're going to structure the book like this, it's important to kind of keep people's interest throughout so yeah i enjoy I think it was i think it was a phenomenal ending and i said this before the meeting but the whole entire chronicle three was left out of the movie which is like a big piece to leave out it was actually inserted at the start of the movie almost when they highlighted all the other unknown killings beforehand yeah and obviously we'll talk about that in the book versus the movie um, i'm sure we have some thoughts on that part but well i have some thoughts to rip uh all right Christian can't resist talking about the movie right now <laughs> jump in, jump in ahead of we're gonna go crazy on that one chronicle three the reporter uh chapter 22 ghostlands much of osage is a ghost town the only large town that remains is pahaska which still remains as the capital for the osage nation david grand had the opportunity to visit who's of course the author and speak with the head of the museum, Catherine Redcorn. She showed Grand the pictures of the past. Strikingly, Grand noticed that Hale had been forcefully cut out of the photos, evidence that the reign of terror was never forgotten by the Osage. That led Grand to an important person, Margie Burkhart, granddaughter of Molly. From here, he learned that Molly had lived in 1937. She had a period of happiness with her new husband and died happily married. In regards to Ernest, he was released on parole and subsequently rearrested for robbing an Osage home. Hale was released in 1947 due to his old age and record as a prisoner. This was to the dislike of the Osage community. Furthermore, Ernest was granted a pardon in 1967 and granted the ability to return to Oklahoma. He would later pass in 1986 with a troubled relationship with his family. Margie expanded on the Osage community. During the Great Depression, they lost most of their wealth, oil demand dropped, and there was little left. Today, they only receive a couple thousand dollars every year from the fields. To supplement this, they built casinos, creating revenue for their town. In 2011, the U.S. government settled with the Osage for $380 million. While not a sufficient apology, it did significantly help the Osage community financially. Following this, Margie took Grant to Molly's grave. She was laid next to her dead siblings. From there, they continued upon the deserted towns, finally stopping at the remains of the Smith household where Margie stopped and alluded that Molly and her father were supposed to be at the Smith household that night. With that, they returned home. Um, bombshell at the end there, her revealing that um, Molly was supposed to be there that night. Um, they didn't mention that in the book up to that point. Um, and then also, if you guys have any thoughts about what became of the Osage and their wealth, I mean, I guess... It kind of seems obvious now that they lost it in the Great Depression. I mean, we were talking about in previous meetings how they, how the town looks empty now, but it kind of, kind of makes sense. I mean, they were just kind of, it kind of sucked because if they had the Great Depression, obviously, if they had enough oil deposits to kind of withstand that, they probably would have been okay. 
but unfortunately it seems that their deposits only lasted a finite amount of years and or at least the majority of the walls. So it kind of makes sense that when oil crashed, their demand crashed or the price crashed, which meant that their walls crashed. So I think for some reason, I thought that this was happening like post depression. I don't know why in my mind, and then it reminded me that that still happens. I feel like the way the guardian system was set up and the way they didn't have access to any of their money, like kind of created the fact that when, when the oil money declines, the Osage finances were going to decline. Like I'm sure a bunch of white oil giants back then found other avenues to obtain wealth and the Osage really didn't have that opportunity uh, because of the way that the U S government viewed them as basically not, American citizens. Yeah, I'd, I'd also like to see how much of the money they actually got during the guardianship. I mean, it's probably like horrifying to see like how much was stolen from them. Yeah. But I, I wonder if there wasn't guardianship, like if there would still be like what the area would look like today. Like, just interesting to think about. I was I was gonna suggest in the last meeting, like as to what they moved on to after oil disappeared, and my first thought was casinos and. I think it did mention that they opened up a couple of casinos and that was their main source of revenue. Yeah. I mean, I think a majority of them, because I mean, even my parents live near a couple of reservations in Arizona. And I mean, that's like the majority of their revenue is casino because there's different laws on reservation land than yeah. normal state, state lines. I remember driving, like when I was younger, I had a few baseball tournaments in Oklahoma and driving through, it's like nothingness until maybe you get to like an Indian reservation and then there's there was always like a Choctaw casino. There's a huge one, right? It's like right on the border of Dallas, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma. Both it, it's massive. It's like right as soon as yeah. you get off Texas land. Yeah. Right on the reservation. Reservations have special laws that, you know, gain them the ability to not follow certain state laws. So that's why they have the ability to create casinos in states where it's not necessarily legal. Um, and obviously it's a great revenue source. You know, it's we a lot of people joke about Native Americans having to make casinos, but in their defense, you know, in situations like this where their wealth was stolen from them, you know, you have to find different uh, ways of revenue. So, you know. Maybe an interesting book on that we could read. Yeah. I mean, there's, be interested in that. there's a much deeper history to why they built casinos than just money, you know. Um, all right. Yeah. Chapter 24, Standing in Two Worlds. Following this, Grand reconnected with Red Redcorn, who formally asked him to look into the death of her grandfather. He had died in 1931, she suspected of poisoning. He had remarried a white woman, and she made out with a lot of the money. Oh, I'm reading Wait, wrong chapter. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. All right, boys. All right. Reverse. Um, all right, chapter 23, a case <laughs> As Grand rifled through the cases, he began to see the holes in the investigation. What was once a proud triumph for the Bureau was riddled with loose ends. With that in mind, Gran met with Martha Vaughn, a granddaughter of W.W. Vaughn. The man was thrown off the speeding train. There, Gran was presented with binders full of information surrounding the death of W.W. There, he learned that his wife, Rosa, was taking care of the Osage with their ten remaining children following his death. Suspiciously, a man had gone after his estate following his death, H.G. Burt. From there, Gran discovered that Vaughn was also tied to George Bigheart. 
Both had died suspiciously within a tight time frame and after Bert had secured the $10,000. With that information, Grand was able to discover that Bert was a predatory lender prying upon the Osage Nation. After uncovering some files, it was clear that White and his, and his dead were suspicious. Wait, what? Oh, man. Punk twister there. White and his agents. I don't know. White and his agents were suspicious of Bert. Jeez. Uh, um, additionally, an agent described him as a murderer. So it seemed the agents were on him. Grandis continued to try and identify a financial motive that led him to looking up the beneficiary of Big Heart's daughter. There, he found her guardian. It was H.G. Burt. Fishing, he found a newspaper article that stated Burt had boarded the same train as Vaughn. And in addition, in additional borough documents, he found a statement from an informant that implicated Burt as the direct killer. Grand discovered the the information to Martha, uh, passed the information to Martha. While no action could be taken against a dead man, it did bring her family peace. I clearly did not spell check this uh, summary. Jesus Christ, I was struggling. <laughs> All right, thoughts on H.G. Burt. What led to the failure? To, what what led to the failure to apprehend him? It seemed like the agents were on him, but it's almost it's like, like uh, I mean, the owner of the bank has like unlimited money. Yeah. I think you have to make your strongest case against uh, Hale and Ernest. I think that that was their goal. They had to prosecute somebody, and I think uh, there probably was not circumstantial evidence to directly tie H.G. Burt to the murder of Vaughn. I think it would have been difficult. So I think they just took what they could get. They probably only had enough resources to go after one case. They probably in there. Yeah. They probably thought Hale was like if they took down Hale, they'd basically take down everybody because they probably thought he was like the the master of the whole plan, and Bert was like under him. So they put, they probably could have thought like, hey, if we take this guy out, then the whole everybody else is just going to fall in line, kind of, which obviously didn't really happen. I'm just interested was, to see like Grant makes it seem like it was pretty explanatory to find this evidence. I'm wondering just how easy it would have been back to figure that out or if it's like just something i was thinking about like because i wonder if like hoover knew about this evidence and since they already had come to the case and it was like kind of all about him saving the bureau and all that or if that like they were just like since we already got a guy we're just done like i was thinking about the limitations of the modern justice system like you can know that a guy is a murderer but you might not have the evidence to directly tie him to the murder. And with the development of like modern laws, modern justice, you can't just like prosecute the guy for no reason. You have to prove that he's guilty. So uh, it would have been nice. Like if it was still, we were still stuck in like, uh, like the 18th century at this time. And you could just like put a bullet in HG Burt's head, but that's, not the case yeah if white I think was... Jared was go ahead i i just think jared was on to something there like hoover didn't want to after having a successful like win and then he gets all the national like notoriety from the people of the united states like he doesn't want to go into another trial and then possibly have his name tampered with if they weren't able to prosecute him because then he just had like such a successful trial yeah it was like oh this fbi's sick like good job guys and then if that if he weren't able to prosecute Bert, then it'd be like, oh, that's that's not good. Yeah. All right, chapter twenty-four. 
standing in two worlds. Hopefully I'll be better at reading this paragraph. Following this, Gran reconnected with Redcorn, who formally asked him to look into the death of her grandfather. He had died in 1931, she suspected of poisoning. He had remarried a white woman, and she made out with a lot of money. Since there was no living witnesses and no formal investigation, it would be impossible to delve deeper. However, it pushed Grand to investigate the death of Charles Whitehorn. Upon looking into those initial investigation, it became clear they believed that his mixed wife, Hattie Whitehorn, had something to do with it in conjunction with her new husband, Leroy Smitherman. It all was all arranged by Minnie Savage, who was a, who ran a boarding house. The FBI agents came to the same conclusion in 1923. However, the twist didn't end there. Smitherman ran to Mexico without Haiti. Then Haiti was blackmailed by J.J. Falker. Slowly, she became more and more sick. She was finally admitted to a hospital and quickly cured. She never did divulge information to the investigators. In 1925, Tom White arrived, and White viewed it as an isolated murder, therefore unimportant to their mission there. Despite the viewpoint of the Bureau, the killings pointed to the to a terrifying truth. Hale was not an anomaly. Um, I think that that last sentence is kind of the crux of all of Chronicle 3, that the um, Hale is not just, uh, you know, a mass murderer on his own mission. He's part of a system of systemically uh, trying to eradicate the Osage, which I think is the whole crux of uh, Chronicle 3. Any thoughts on that chapter? I couldn't stop thinking of the, you know, the always will be meme where it's like the astronaut looking at the earth. And like, yeah, it's Charles Whitehurst's uh, wife. And then she was getting killed by someone who wanted her head rights because it was just like the dominoes. Like, uh, I just couldn't stop thinking of that meme. If we do a pagey with all time names for for the books this year mini savage oh, and then what's his name smitherson <laughs> leroy yeah, smitherson Smithers. those are two crazy names yeah it just sounds like a fake name <laughs> leroy smitherson <laughs> i think it's smitherman i don't know it's i would have to reread it leroy smitherman versus mini savage <laughs> in a fight who you taking clearly smitherman um yeah. all right any other thoughts on that chapter it seems like uh we're starting to uncover some more deaths uh it is interesting that you know tom white once again this is another case that tom white and his agents kind of knew was a murder but didn't pursue i just wonder how much they actually voiced that they knew this or if it was just kind of like they presented everything to hoover and then hoover was like we're going after so and so i i'm just kind of would kind of be interested to see like why they weren't followed up on or like why they couldn't yeah. make an arrest or what whatnot I feel like Grand does a good job of uncovering what exactly they knew. I'm sure there's details left out because it was quite a bit of time before he actually went out and started to investigate. But um, I think the big one was H.G. Burt. Also, like this is the beginning of the FBI. So I wonder if like what their role kind of was, like if they if they really had the amount, like the number of men and resources to actually like prosecute just a one-off murder like they were talking about or if they really had to just focus and go all in and try to take down like the big the big bad boy hail yeah the uh i feel like god it would stay the same i feel i feel like you would just go after hale and burkhart and maybe cut deals with the rest to try and prosecute those two i think you do what you can to like settle down the public outcry 
and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. One thing I was just thinking about, credit to J. Edgar Hoover, earlier in the book they made a mention that he was uh, meticulous about making his agents write everything down and, like, file everything, and that was, like, Tom White didn't necessarily like that and some of the older agents didn't necessarily like that, but for uncovering cases, like, as a reporter for Grand now, it must have been so helpful to have all that information written down where all their thoughts are compiled uh, so I guess that's a point to J. Edgar Hoover, maybe one of the only ones, but credit. Um, all right. Chapter 25, the lost manuscript in 2015, Grand returned to Osage County there. He was greeted by the sight of thousands of windmills towering in the sky. The Osage fought the windmills stating that they violated their mineral rights. The court decided against them. In 2014, all oil drill drilling was halted due to new environmental guidelines. For the first time in 100 years, there was no drilling in Osage County. Upon returning, Grand found a manuscript about the death of Mary Lewis. She had visited Liberty, Texas with two white friends, Thomas Middleton and his friend. She vanished on August 18th. Middleton was detained in 1919 after private investigators found that he was trying to cash her checks. From there, they found Lewis's body in a nearby swamp. Her skull had been crushed by a hammer. However, after six and a half years, Middleton was pardoned by the governor. One thing was clear: the reign of terror hadn't started earlier than previous had started earlier than previously thought, thought and the conspiracy spanned deeper than hail. Um, my question is: thoughts on the continued investigations? Do they provide you with additional information that is vital? Is this helping tell shape the entire story? We've talked about this so many times. I feel like, but just the the natural quote unquote Christian saver natural deaths. Like it's, I feel like especially back in the day when they didn't have a ton of like the forensic science, it's so hard to prove what exactly was a natural death and what wasn't. And like so many people died of diabetes and was it actually like diabetes or was it that one? Yeah. That they were getting that was poisoned. I don't know. To me, to me, it's so hard to actually pinpoint exactly what happens because I don't know if it was this chapter or the next one where they talked about all of the like the per, the death rate death rate percentage. Yeah, I'll read that. Yeah, yeah, that to me, like it's a the Osage County. This is getting into statistics, which is kind of dumb, but like if you have a smaller population, and it just happens that like so happens that more people die, like you don't have as big of a population, so it doesn't span out to. The, what the general public is because it's a bigger uh population sample what's size. the word yeah. sample size yeah that so like obviously i believe that there were murders but it's just like how many are actually murders but then after hearing the story you have to believe that most of these are murders just because of how people looked at the osage as basically they looked at them as property almost and like if you can marry one and get their head rights like then they'd look at that as an investment in setting yourself up for longevity and having money and wealth and stuff. So the way, the way I viewed the last two chapters was the, the chapter previous to this was, was indicating that the murders ran deeper than hail. And there were more conspirators during that time than possibly imagined. And then what this chapter did for me was reset the timeline and say, not only were there more people involved, but it was going on longer than Hale was ever involved. So I thought the last two chapters were pretty good. So many leeches. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. 
think Hale Hale was trying to do too much, and which is why, like, he ended up getting caught because he was too greedy. He was very greedy. Yeah. Like the other people were probably it was probably more like just kill one person, get all their wealth, and then they were happy, which is a lot harder to trace, especially in this time period. Whereas Hale had so many people that so many accomplices that were working for him and then he tried to kill people and get rid of the evidence and have people run out of town but if you have that many accomplices as part of your like grand scheme then eventually somebody's going to speak out or somewhere the evidence is going to get leaked somewhere which is why so many of these probably went unnoticed the smaller ones all right chapter 26 blood cries out last chapter of the book here uh returning home grand discovered records indicating all of the rest respective guardians from there he looked into scott mathis he was the guardian for nine osage members seven of them had died he kept looking into guardians and kept finding similar trends they represented several osage and most were dead grand continued to list examples of unsolved deaths and the lack of investigation that took place it was startling while the fbi believed the death count to be 24 it was obvious to grand that the death toll was likely in the hundreds their death rate in the 1920s was one and a half times the national rate, despite access to greater resources through their money. Grand was then approached by Marvin Stepson, the grandson of William Stepson. Upon meeting him, he was able to discover that Stepson was murdered by Kelsey Morrison, who then married his wife, Tilly. She suspected him, but was poisoned before she could change her estate. With that, Morrison ran off with the money. In later documents intercepted between him and Hale, it was clear that he even had plans to kill Tilly's children. While history was, has an ability to uncover the truth, many of the Osage murders remain unsolved due to their concealment on all levels, leaving, all, leaving the families of the victims without resolution. This was the case with Mary Jo Webb. Her grandfather, Paul Peace, had died due to poisoning and a hit, and a hit and run. He suspected his wife and the Schoen brothers were behind it. It pointed to a sad fact. There were many people complacent in these horrendous crimes and an even greater number that benefited and actively contributed to it. Leaving Webb's house, she left him with this, the blood cries out from the ground. It was a quote that God told Cain after he killed Abel. Another Bible quote to end it. Dude, that was that was a crazy quote yeah. to end the book. That was an awesome quote. Chills. Yeah, no, I, I did get chills reading that. I, that. That is a good use of, you know, it's a very, I guess we found that it's very common to bring out Bible quotes, uh, you know, for pivotal moments, but... Uh, I think that one was tied in really well, especially since the person really said it, but it's really relevant to what the story was. So, you know, chills reading that. Any thoughts on that last chapter? I thought it was wrapped up very good. So no, no thoughts for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, th- I think the easiest thing to do would just, would just be, uh, let's, let's get into the review here and um, yeah, let's see what we want to start us off. Uh, we get, do you guys want to do reverse of what's in the wheel? Sure. It's in the wheel. <laughs> uh, well, the book. You just tell us. So it's Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin, Jared, Christian. Me. Oh, of course. I have to go first. It'll be reversed for the, uh, I'm, I'm unprepared to score the Same. book right now. Okay. So I, okay. I, I, can, I can go then. I can go. Okay. No, I want to go. We'll, we'll okay. Do you want to go, Ken? Yeah, I'll just go. I just had to read the. I always have to check the scoring system because I always forget that six or no seven is a good book, and that like I always forget what's good, great, amazing. We use we use it. We could probably adjust those at the end. I don't think that's a maybe. Once we look at our scoring and like what we've 
that word this far it might not be an actual representation. So go off what maybe you've rated other books and compare it that way, I'd say. Maybe the best. Yeah. Wait, um, so when when are we scoring the movie? Are we going to score the book right now and then discuss the movie? And we'll, we'll give our scores to the book because uh, everyone that theoretically is listening right now is probably reading the book with us. So then we'll we'll, we'll do another part after this that will compare the book and the movie. Talk which one. Okay. Can yeah. So this this is all based. Here, like, this office. is all books. This is all books. Stop. Yeah. So. All right. Um, so personally, I I talked about this in our previous meeting a lot. And I made a prediction for the third part, which I think I was kind of right about. But the I really, really enjoyed how this book was written in terms of the first part being from the public perspective. So you get kind of like the overview of what was happening. And the second part being more of like the investigation and you get more of the evidence and more you see more behind the scenes of all these murders. And then the third part being more of like post post 1920s 1930s you get kind of a wrap up and then further evidence into that time period um personally i thought grand did an amazing job of not only get like providing information for us as the reader but also connecting it into intertwining it into a story that was it was honestly so thrilling to read even though it was a lot of just like evidence and we we even knew that hale was most likely in charge of everything that was going on or a majority of it. And it was still like interesting to read and figure out what exactly was going on. I never really, I never really had a chapter that was not interesting to me. I know Christian mentioned the one about white, but to me that was still even pretty interesting just to get a background and some character development. I honestly can't really think of many cons. I guess I would have liked a little more history maybe on just the the Osage, but also he still did a pretty good job on providing information on like how the head rights worked, um, how they got their oil money and like the mineral rights. I don't know. To me, this this was probably the best book we've read so far in the book club. If I had to compare it to how much I enjoyed another book, it'd be to... Um, Red Notice. I thought these were both they were both like pretty good nonfiction, but also like they had thrilling aspects to them, and this was really hard for me to put down. I don't really have anything bad to say about the book. So I am actually gonna put this as my highest rated book so far. And I'm even going to put it up in the nines because I thought it was an amazing book. And I'm gonna give it a nine dot one. Nine one. I I truly like this. This book was so good, and then even after seeing the movie, I found myself. I saw it with some buddies that hadn't read the book, and I saw myself like they were asking questions about stuff, and I felt knowledgeable to answer all their questions. And then I still had like, and I was providing them like alternate info from the book too that you don't get from the movie alone. So I I thought this was a great piece of gave a gave a lot of evidence, and it told a good story. So I really like this book. All right, I think I'll go next. Um, I kind of echo what Kevin said. I really love this book. Um, I thought Grant did a great job of providing and telling a story that not a lot of people knew. And I think when you think about the main idea of this book, it's kind of shedding light to a really bad part of American history. I think this is something that everyone should read. 
even if even if they plan to see the movie, if they don't, I think it's something that's really important to see just how Native Americans, especially those sage, have been treated. I think this is not my first Native American book, but it just only builds on the kind of racism and oppression that was seen in the early beginnings of America. Just it just kind of has painted a bigger picture of what that was kind of like. Um, I thought Grant did a great job just kind of storytelling it. I think when you think of the first two parts, the narration is kind of like a God perspective or like a narrative nonfiction. So you're getting like no clear perspective. Obviously we followed the Burkhart family because they were probably the most affected, but you see that kind of narration throughout the first two parts. And then you kind of, in the third part, you move to Grant's perspective, which I really enjoyed. And I thought I was not going to like the third part um, just because of what we mentioned earlier with our previous books, but I really enjoyed how he kept me engaged throughout and kind of rehooked me when he could have probably lost and other books probably would have lost me when it was kind of switch up in style. So I really enjoyed that. The writing and the research is incredible. Um, you can tell Grant really cared about it and he did what it took because it could have been pretty easy just to end this book at the, uh, at the end of the second part and kind of call it what it is. Um, but I really enjoyed how he tied up all the loose ends that even we had talked about in, in our last meeting, the, the train piece, like who was responsible for that or who might have been responsible for that. So I really enjoyed all that. Um, small part that I enjoyed was the pictures being tied in to the book. I think it really added a lot to me seeing like when we were talking about certain aspects, we saw the pictures. We saw the pictures like on the next page or on that page. I thought that was really powerful and kind of allowed me to kind of digest the pictures and it's what they were worth and really kind of added another layer of perspective. Um, if I had any cons, and this is kind of just kind of nitpicking at this point, because I do think it was a very well done book. Um, I didn't love some of the parts on Tom White and Hoover. I thought it kind of was kind of misplaced in the book. And that's just kind of being nitpicky. I don't think it's a huge in my eyes. I think it's just if I had to pick something that I really didn't like the placement of, or not even really didn't like, it was a small thing, but I think some of the Tom White things were a little bit long and it kind of not derailed from the story, but it. I just don't know how else you would maybe reorganize it, but I, I, uh, I don't know, but I guess that would be my only comments, again, nitpicking, um, to say the least, uh, but I really think this was excellently, excellently written. Um, Grant did a great job in this book. And if I had to score it, looking where I scored Red Notice um, at an 8 8, I think this is right neck and neck with that um, as my favorite book that we've read thus far. Two obviously very different things, but I think a theme being that it was kind of something that kept our interest throughout. Um, in terms of like splitting hairs between a score, I'm going to give it an 8 9 just because I think the ending of this book was a little bit better than ending Red Notice. I think. You have two different kind of payoffs, but once again, I would recommend that everyone reads this book. I think it's excellently written and well done. So, is it me? No, I can go. Um, <clears throat> I think I would reiterate a lot of what Jared and Kevin said. Uh, first off. I think Gran understood the assignment here. And I think seeing the movie allows me to see that in the book rather than focusing on one or two parties uh, such as Hale and Burkhart that I think it would be easy for an author to focus on. I think that his 
meticulous research like Jared uh, discussed uh, allowed him to dive deeper and show readers that this was a system of killing uh, rather than just a one-off case uh, where two people were, were responsible. So I love that he dove into that. I The ending was awesome in my opinion. I think it's directly, I think it's opposite of what we saw in The Escape Artist. I forget the author's name, but I think he got lazy and just basically threw up on the last hundred pages. And here, uh, Grant actually goes back to Osage County, does his own research, uh, and provides a uh, a satisfying conclusion at the end. Um, I talk shit about the exploration of Tom White's background. After seeing the movie and how limited, now I'm getting too much into the movie, but I think it's a good contrast. After seeing the movie and seeing how limited Tom White was in that, I love that uh, Grand provided some background, uh, gave us some insight into Tom White and even his history after uh, these murders. Uh, I think the big point was that he's kind of a person that would get lost in... That is lost in history and and didn't get a lot of public credit for uh uncovering these murders and uh i think that grand was just paying respect to tom white and the uh the role that he played uh he's one of the most integral parts of the the story um i don't think there was any wasted space at all in the in the book like kevin said it had like an awesome flow to it so you get a first-hand view into the killings as they happen and then you get white's arrival uh his and the fbi's backgrounds and kind of a discussion of the evidence and a recovering of the evidence and then you get the prosecution of of hale and Ernest, and then uh a discussion on uh this being a larger issue through some of grand's uh research after the facts uh i also really enjoy like the underlying themes in the book number one you have the discussion of like white white manifest destiny and uh it it kind of drove deeper into uh what i know uh through like reading bury my heart and some of the stuff we learned in american history that we basically committed genocide against native americans and this story is just like an another form of how that genocide took shape um and then i like the discussion of of evil and its different forms and you kind of get that through tom white like it was almost scarier to him that there were good people capable of carrying out uh tremendously evil acts such as ernest burkhart uh and i think once again the movie kind of ignores that he's just made out to be uh an incredibly evil person but i i don't think that was the case at all i think that Ernest was a good person that got caught up and uh he got caught in hale's web and carried out these evil acts which i think is scarier than pure evil in itself um so yeah really enjoyed this book i loved the writing uh i loved the different pieces um i loved the flow of the story and the underlying themes so i agree it's the best book we've read so far 9.3
Ooh. Vibes, vibes, vibes. Oh, that tails off. Uh, an average of a nine. It's crazy. It's oh, here we, here <laughs> we go. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to give it a six five. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, I echo a lot of what you guys said. Um, I just wrote a note here. I think the book is truly about how a system of guardianship led to the systematic killing of the Osage people and the amount of people that not only turned a blind eye, but actively participated in the attempt to annihilate and rob the Osage people. To me, that's what the book was about. Um, and I think Tom, or I think David Grant told that story magnificently. Um, well, like Christian said, I don't know if the movie necessarily told that same story, but we will, we will get on that. Um, it's it's the narrative is great um all of the storylines that um david grant throws out there he ties up for the most part um the only one uh this is a nitpick basically but the only one that i wish we could have got more information on was the trial itself i felt the trial was a little rushed um i would have you know there was a lot built up into what hale was and how much influence he had but we, we kind of just, we kind of go through the trial itself in a, only a couple chapters, but uh, that's a nitpick. I, you know, whenever you say, I wish the book was longer, that usually means you like it. So um, I would have appreciated more information. So uh, that's, I call that a nitpick because it's not actually criticizing the book. Just, I want more information. Um, but um, overall, like you guys said, I thought it was a great book. I thought the narratives, the storyline, he did. The big thing, which I think he did, which was in very important in writing this book, I think he told the Osage story. And I think you got to be very careful with books like this because this is a tragedy to the Osage people. And if you don't do it justice, it's um, it's unfair to them. Um, and I think he did them honorably uh, with this story and told the story from their perspective. While there are other characters introduced to the book... It, it feels like you're hearing the story from the Osage perspective and how much influence it had on them um, the entire time, which once again, we'll get to the movie. I don't think the movie did well, but um, with that, um, you know, I, I'm right in the range of you guys. I, I decided a score before I saw the movie. I was like, uh, I got to put a score in my head. The score that came to my mind, which I think is going to put us at a nine is an 8.75. Uh, that is exactly. So he's got a he's got a seven point two five and an eight point seven five on his. It's like he, a, was he was originally the one. He was originally the one that said he didn't want to do decimal scores. Here we go. I'm I've been influenced. I've been changed around. I'm glad to put. I think this book is very deserving of a nine. I think. Uh, I'm glad we got there as a team, but. Um, I, I would say as a collective score, yeah. if I were to say to someone, I don't think it's a nine, but I'm glad as a team that like it, I'm no shame of say, telling people it's a nine from our book club. You know, like I, if I were to pick a top book from this book club, it is my top book. So uh, I'm glad it got there. Um, obviously, I, I like it. I like but... the, I like the telling of those sage part that you included. I don't think any of us noted that, but that was a good point. All right. That makes it the top book in the book club. Uh, Red Notice has been dethroned. Dethroned. Damn. Uh, no, slight Red, no slight to Red Notice. Red Notice. So. But, yeah. We have our first nine. So I, 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 would, think, uh, I, I think uh, 1900s, maybe even before 
westward expansion and i guess even like southern expansion might be a topic that's worth exploring in the future well, well i think i'm looking at my two highest books that i've rated this year they've both been books about native americans so i have very much yeah. wanted me and because of the fog moon I'd say if you're interested in like expanding the oppression of American Native Americans, I would say go pick up Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. It kind of grows into a, a granule scale of a bunch of tribes. And I think it's incredibly sad. But if you're interested in that topic, I would re definitely recommend it. I think Bury My Heart is a really good prereq for this book because you understand the, the different ways prior to this that the American government and basically white settlers mistreated uh native americans broken promises after broken promise yeah for sure all right with that uh we still have a large section here which is uh we're gonna we're gonna move into talking about the movie here um i think we're all very excited uh we all saw the movie friday so if you haven't seen the movie maybe you want to check out but if you've probably read the book it's not spoilers so uh you could probably stick around as well um yeah if you're planning on watching the movie maybe go ahead and watch it and then come back and start listening at this point. Uh, but we just want to give a disclaimer. We will be talking about the movie and kind of what they talk about. So if you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen past this point. Come back to only pick our next book. All right. Uh, I wrote down. I wrote really Gladstone. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll, I'll, how about I read my point and then you guys can, we could just start. I was, thinking, I was thinking maybe we talk about different points, like the, the acting, the story, the, perspectives like that I, I don't know how we want to do it but yeah this does, does someone have like a this is gonna be chaos i think just like let this let it let it flow naturally I, i'll read mine and then and then you guys snowball from there and we'll we'll wherever it takes us is wherever it takes us all right sure all right go all right so just try, like what i said about the the book review previous to this um i much echoes what i didn't like about the movie but what I wrote down was the central point to the theme of the book was the Osage tribe being systematically eliminated by white people, white people who not only were turning a blind eye, but actively participating in their murders. Uh, and my general thoughts on that is I don't feel like the movie truly captured that. And I ultimately feel like the directors and the, whoever screen wrote it missed out on the last, you know, 60, 80 pages of this book. Because the last 68 pages of the book is what the book is actually about. And instead, they made a true crime movie um, that focused on Hale and Ernest, specifically Ernest. Um, so I don't feel like they necessarily captured the essence of the book. But I don't. let me know your guys' thoughts on that. I, no, I think it's, it's interesting because obviously this is a Scorsese, Scorsese passion project. He's been wanting to do this movie for a while. They finally greenlit it. And I'm wondering if, because I, I agree that it doesn't directly, the point of view of Ernest Burkhardt is an interesting choice. And I think one of the reviews you even sent about the Osage, one of the people in the Osage tribe today said it doesn't truly represent the Osage point of view. And he said, I don't think anybody could really do that unless they were Osage. So I don't know, given who was... I guess Scorsese, they're going to give, they're not Scorsese green like this project because he has a track record to do so. I don't know if an Osage writer or director ever gets this project green light, which is sad to say at, at this scale. So I don't know if this story gets told in the, in the way that it does. And any other scenario, if it wasn't an Osage, like 
to the right perspective if it wasn't in the stage doing it. And I just don't know if that ever happens. Um, and then in, in your response to kind of what the story kind of tells, I almost wish this was kind of like a mini series, um, like, cause I don't think you could fit it all into a movie. It was already three, three hours and 30 minutes and we didn't even get to talk about the last part. And honestly, it flowed pretty well for being that long of a movie, I thought at least. I almost wish it was kind of a miniseries just because you have so much detail to tell. And I think, I don't think you can keep people at a movie theater for four hours and 45 minutes to really like, tell everything that needed to be told. It's a, it's a tough line to draw. I agree it wasn't necessarily represented the way that maybe Osage wanted, but I don't know how you do that unless an Osage is telling the story, if that makes sense. I'd like to hear what you guys so think. To play devil's ad, I, I agree. I don't think that in three and a half hours you can make an audience understand that these were systemic killings and not just Ernest Burkhart and, and William Hale. But I still think like you could have he could have Scorsese could have done some things. Like they the other murders that we explored in part three, right? They were all introduced at the start of the movie where the narrator was saying the names and it was showing the dead bodies. I think like as someone who's just seeing the movie, you assume that that was Ernest and, and William Hale in some way, which may not have been Scorsese's intention, but I think that's the impression that's left on someone that just sees the movie. Something that maybe it kind of, kind of made me upset was the context so we didn't get i feel like it was hard to like my buddies that i went with i feel like it was hard for them to actually conceptualize what exactly was going on because the context that was provided by scorsese was through those like black like powerpoint slides that said like that had information it was like the osage county blah 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 and it had like information like that but then through the movie i felt like it was really hard to completely understand what exactly was going on in terms of like like i don't know if they did a good job capturing the head rights and like the like my buddies were very confused about when they were they went to with the guardians to the bank and they were like incompetent number yeah. 585 like if you don't have the prior background knowledge i feel like a lot of it was very hard to understand and the only background knowledge that was provided by them was through those at the beginning the black and white slides where it was like the osage county struck oil in 19 1919 or whatever it was and then i don't know that to me if i hadn't read the book i honestly probably would have been a little confused throughout and i would not have understood exactly like it would have been from more of a like jared said a true crime perspective and like through Ernest's perspective, and you just don't get an actual look into the Osage community really at all and how it really affected them completely. Like even showing the the lights that we talked about, like the murder lights, when they started hanging those up on their street and stuff, like that's really the only look we get into like how scared they really were. Yeah. I think it's a good point. Um, do you want to talk about things we, we liked out the movie? So I feel like we're we're talking about. I think it's definitely deserving of its flowers in some areas. Um, one more one more thing to add on cons. Me and me and Tyler. Well, we can go. We can go back to cons. Yeah. Go go. I won't do it. Me me and Tyler came to this conclusion on the the walk home, but it's almost like the 
you know the white the white savior uh motif it, there there was a white scapegoat motif in this movie like i think instead of blaming uh white people as a whole and the u.s government as a whole uh they sacrificed ernest burkhart i think is a good way to sum it up yeah to echo what christian's saying i think what they what they did if you didn't read the book and you walked into that movie I think there's an element that you would think the murders like just had been eradicated after they convicted Ernest and Hale. And I, that's, if you read the book, that's not the case at all. And the fact is that Ernest and Hale probably weren't even the biggest perpetrators. Like there's probably people that were committing even greater atrocities that just weren't caught. So I think they missed, they, they, like, as Christian was saying, they treated like Hale and Ernest as the masterminds behind the deaths of everyone in the community. And that's just not the case at all. And back to what Jared was saying about that TikTok I sent about the Osage, uh, you know, member of the Osage tribe giving his opinions on the movie. I think that's probably where he feels slighted is that it, you wouldn't walk out of that movie thinking that there was a giant atrocity that was committed not only by our government, but by the people governing the state the local communities, like everyone was involved. And I don't feel like the movie necessarily captured that. I think the Schoen brothers, especially like we don't, we don't get to see any of that. Like really the Schoen brothers weren't introduced till late. And then you barely even get to see what they really did. I will say I really did like the ending of the movie. Um, I thought it was creatively done. And I think it left you like with a lot to think about. I, like the scene where they're kind of reading like the they don't go into great detail and i i think that's one of its faults but the way that they ended it, i thought was very powerful like is someone that um like i i know a couple of people that saw the movie and they kind of really liked the ending because it kind of provided a little bit of background without going into the deep end of things but as i mentioned the Sean brothers and i think even when scorsese gets to the mic at the end like what he says about molly burkhardt was really powerful and i think it and that ending scene where they're kind of I think it's the killer of the flower moon dance or the, the ghost dance or whatever they're uh, excuse me if i'm mispronouncing or mislabeling what that was at the end but i thought it was the movie was ended well given the context of it i think again it could have been ended or had a better viewpoint or point of view throughout the whole movie but i think the way they ended it was was pretty good in my opinion i thought the ending to be good. honest i I had completely checked out by that point because I knew, I knew it was the end, and I was so unfocused. I don't think I gathered like one thing from that entire true crime show scene. So yeah, I, was, watch, maybe. I was the same. I was the same way. It was just like to me, the movie didn't provide as much context as granted, and I was like, okay, this is. I already know like everything that happened basically in this. This is just going to wrap up. I was honestly confused for the first like 30 seconds of it. I was like, what is happening? And I was like, oh, this is how he's wrapping it up. I don't know if there was people clapping ears, but there's people clapping at mine at that end. I guess in my theater. No. No, there were people yawning in mine going. Literally some guy yelled so loud. He's like, oh, I think I, I was trying to listen to other eavesdrop on these conversations a little bit and see what they thought around me and it, it seemed like people were a little confused and had a lot of questions um yeah 
which that's may- maybe that's part of the point of what Scorsese was going for, but I also feel like there's a better story that could have been told. Uh, to talk about positives, uh, just because there are, it is a well-directed movie, like, let's not kid ourselves, and then, you know... The casting and the acting were great. The acting was great. Lily Gladstone, definitely going up for Best Actress. She'll support it. She'll be supporting. Yeah, Best Supporting Actress. I I thought Leo's uh, performance was okay. I thought it was just okay. I thought Leo will be in the will be in the running for uh, like actor, like. But I think Cillian still wins it if I if I had to give a give a prediction with uh, Oppenheimer. But I think I he'll be right in the running. I didn't see that movie. I thought Leo's last the the last part of the movie, like starting with the FBI interrogation. I thought that's when he really shines, but. Prior to that, I think it, he was just kind of, it was just a normal performance. Nothing really stood out to me. Me, the casting was insane compared to the pictures in, like, Hale. Like, yeah, you, Hale does. You can't tell me. Hale and uh, even Ernest looks like the thing that Leo was doing with his jaw where he was, like, kind of sticking it out like an upper bite. Yeah. yeah they, literally, like, they I was exactly wondering insane. how it, how do you do that? How do you create an underbite? I need to find the picture because my buddies, they're like going through the book after just looking at it, like flipping through it. And they're like, dude, how, like, why do they all look exactly like how the they were casted in real life? One one thing I liked, which I think is like a gray area from the book that as a director, you can take liberties on and kind of form your own interpretation of, of how it works. I really liked... DiCaprio and De Niro's relationship. I thought it was pretty cool. I think that just comes with a lot of movies that they've done together with Scorsese. I yeah. think that's something that's just built over time. A lot of big names, like Brendan Fraser showing up as the as the lawyer yep. at like minute almost like 245 was crazy. Like, was not expecting that. Some big names in there. Um, yeah, like I said, I think the acting and the Casting was all excellent. Um, I really liked Rowan's character a lot. Um, I guess I, was like, I, I really think that they told that story well. Um, and it was, I'm glad that there was at least some detail into some other people besides the Burkharts, obviously, that they were the most, or, or at least Molly's family. Obviously, they're the most detailed because they're the most like well known family that was hit hard during the reign of terror. But I really liked getting Rowan's like viewpoint and him showing up multiple times in the movie and kind of building that evilness between Hale and like him. Yeah. So I thought that was well done. I think the I think the character they got the most right was Roan from book to movie. Like his character is exactly as he was in the book. And I think the character they got the most wrong was Tom White to me. Yes. Yeah Tom the the whole like it's just a I feel like it's just a hard book to make a movie about. Like if you think about the story and how many people you have to talk about, I just think it's difficult. I'm not talking like, about the background. I don't think like his character matches the energy that he was giving in the book. Yeah, and I, I want the interesting. Apparently, the movie was going to be around Tom White's perspective, but though Sage wanted a better perspective, so they like compromise on Ernest Burkhardt, which is really? interesting. To think about. Yeah. So originally, the movie was going to be told in Tom White's perspective. But the, there was some backlash um, that it wasn't the correct perspective to give it because if you think about it, like 
even though Sage say that the FBI really didn't solve the case, like that was just one part in the web of the reign of terror. So they rewrote it for the perspective of Ernest because I mean, Scorsese can't really tell it from an Osage viewpoint without being Osage, I feel like. So that's an interesting uh, note that I figured out. I think, <clears throat> do you think the Osage opinion back then, not to discredit what the Osage say and, and think about how their stories should be told now, do you think the Osage opinion right after this happened would match that opinion that you shouldn't highlight Tom White and you should highlight Ernest Burkhart instead. Cause I think the Osage like championed him as, as a person who really helped them out and was a true friend of the Osage. And it's not, I don't think it's so much that they were upset of like, of I, think he, White. I don't think they, they, they just didn't like that. The story being told, told through his lines because it doesn't really reflect, like we mentioned the whole story. If that makes sense. Cause like he, he was focused on the hail uh, and, Imagine, imagine it this way. Imagine you're you're approached as a member of the Osage, and they tell you they want to make a movie from the point of view of the government. I mean, yeah, I would yeah. be naturally. Yeah. I see. I see. <laughs> and like, I think if you think about, if Scorsese had to rewrite and redirect it that way, you really don't. You only have limited people you can tell the story from. It's either Ernest or Hale, really. Like, if you think about it, because you can't really tell it from an Osage. Point of view without having an Osage director do it, I feel like. So in that aspect, I think you have to make some limitations on what you can tell and the detail that you can tell. And I think they slight Tom White in this, I agree, but I just don't know how else you do it in a certain timetable that would be like, I just I just I'm I'm not even concerned about the background. Like I would have appreciated like giving him more background and understanding as a character, but like you said, it would have to be a mini series to do that. I'm just saying I don't think the actor channeled what his energy was like i don't like he came off into the movie as me as like just like a curious detective and i think he was more of like a texas ranger with like a strong moral code and i didn't really get that from the movie like that vibe yeah <sighs> i don't know <laughs> i think some of just... one of my pros yeah. from the, one of my pros from the movie was in the book you don't get to see a lot of the relationships between all the characters really so like in the movie we got to see Hale's relationship with the community like up front and center and how he was involved in literally like everything like when the Osage when their like group of high ups met Hale was there when when like schools and churches and like the dance studio were being built Hale was there when when Ernest like all the weddings and the funerals Hale was there and like always speaking up and trying to present himself as like this great guy. And then we got to see Ernest and Molly, their relationship and how the insulin, like how they started battling with that and seeing, cause we don't really get that. We hear about that Molly's getting insulin and they think that it's probably poison, but we don't really get to see exactly how that affects their relationship and the acting when Molly was getting the poisons insulin, that was, that was insane. Like watching her yeah. ride in her bed and sweat. I don't know how Brandon can watch that movie and say that, Lily Gladstone did not just eat up that performance. I, I, Dude, I that, can't, can't comprehend it. That, that was unbelievable acting. Her being so the parts where she's like half poisoned, incredible. Also, the scene where Bill and uh, Rita's house blows up and like she's in the basement with the kids and Ernest kind of just like looks down and shakes his head and she 
kind of like wails out in agony. I thought that was the best scene for her and maybe the best scene of the whole movie too. Or even in the, the court scene at the end, you can just see like the stoic face. Like she doesn't say anything, but her like emotions that she can portray on her face were just like super strong. And like, I don't know, I think she, she wrapped up at least a supporting actress when that performance. I think that, I think my favorite scene was when she, him, Ernest and her were sitting at the table, like after the court case and, He's like, I finally have everything off my chest. Like I came clean, and then Molly was like, "So what was in the in- like what was in the shots?" And then he's like, he like kind of panics and he's like insulin. And then that's like, I don't know if that's actually how it went down, but how she just basically knew the truth and saw that he lied again, and he was she was even willing to give a second chance. Like that whole vibe from that scene was just incredible without even any words really. Christian, I would, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because you mentioned that you think Ernest Burkhardt's a good person. I think I'm on the contrary. I don't think he's a good person. Like I, I think that uh, I, see, I think that he was misled a little bit, but I also think that he was a big cog into what was happening. And the fact that he was like knowingly poisoning his wife, I just don't believe that he's a good person at heart. Like, well, I, he's he's a normal person that I think they show is normal people are capable of doing extremely evil things um but i think in the end he he redeemed himself by coming out and telling the truth i think i think that struggle between like deciding you know you're going to be safe if you go with hail like i think i think you know that you're going to get off clean or you can do the right thing and tell the truth um and i think in the end he he told the truth and at least slightly redeemed himself i think a turning point is like when his daughter dies i think that's like the turning point that you see in the movie i think that's dicaprio's best scene where he's like crying on this yeah. the floor personally and i think you see that flip at that point because you because it hits home for once and it was part of his family like his direct family that was that was who knows if she actually died of the whooping cough or if she was killed um, or poisoned or whatnot, but I think you like you see it take a toll on him. And I agree that he did redeem himself a little bit and did the right thing, but I still don't think he's a good person in heart. I think you got to ask the question: the... if he ended up on that ranch, is he is he really capable of murder? Like if he doesn't meet Hale, not even murder, but like conspiracy and murder. Like I think he really did get caught up in Hale's. Hale's web and I don't think he truly realized what he was doing until that court scene when he testifies and they ask him like were you did you tell I forgot who even blew up the house was it Asa AC Kirby uh, it's like did you tell or Blackie yeah. Thompson I don't remember which one of them Kirby did it like, did you tell AC Kirby to or did you tell whoever to tell AC Kirby to blow up the house and he's like yes and I think he slowly realizes what exactly he was i think he was kind of blind to it and was scared of Hale because Hale does like put i forgot what scene it is exactly but he kind of like enforces like hey you have the to paddle. listen the yeah, the paddle. Crazy. yeah that like, one what are you yeah. looking at here yeah just like enforces he's like you have to listen to me and like do this and i think he kind of gets caught up where if he's not put in that situation i think ultimately he'd be like an average like christian's saying an average normal like He'd have morals, be a good person. And I think he truly did at some point love Molly. And I don't think he truly realized like what exactly he was carrying out 
until it was too late. I also there's there was never any case in the book where it was Ernest directly poisoning Molly. Like I think he had to know what was going on, but he wasn't the one giving her the shot. But I do think I, I think the movie does a good job of showing his internal battle between loving his wife, which I think he truly did, and trying to satisfy uh his uncle. Ultimately failed. Uh, any other characters that you guys missed the inclusion of or thought were included too much? Or... I thought Kelsey Moore's big heart was good. Was a was a cool character that they kind of explored a little bit deeper. It was weird because they included the part that we just talked about in the chapter summary where he was like, "So if I uh, if I kill these kids, do, do I do, or if they happen to die, do I get their money?" Like that was included from the final chapter or final part. But then, like, some of the other stuff wasn't. But I thought his character was good, too. Theater got a good laugh out of that one. Yeah. There were some lines that, like, people were laughing at, but they were, like, serious. Like, there was, wasn't really... Yeah, like, there, was, there were some people that just missed the, missed the whole point of, like... Yeah. I was, like, laughing at the racism. Like, I, I was like, what are you guys laughing at? <laughs> I, was, I was struggling so much throughout the movie, like you because you know what's going to happen and what's unraveling because you've read the book obviously and people are laughing at like things that like some characters are saying that are like that are evil characters so it's just weird like it's like yeah, it's like you don't sounds like a joke, but... yeah <laughs> it's really not the the bill smith the funniest part to me was i think it was actually supposed intended to be uh kind of a relief in the story it was when uh, Bill Smith was sitting down with Ernest, and he's like, "You want a drink?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take a drink." And he was like, "No." Uh, yeah, that was funny. He's like, also, it, yeah, "Go ahead." I was just gonna say the part where he's like, "Seems like you really don't like talking to me." And then Ernest just like, "Yeah, I like don't, I don't like being in your presence." <laughs> I thought that part. I liked was Bill funny. Smith. Bill Smith was another good performance. I liked Bill Smith. I'm surprised we didn't get a hospital scene with him. I was really looking forward to seeing that. Um, I wanted yeah. to see like a, a Harvey Two-Face like scene where he's like on his deathbed in the hospital, like showing that he survived the blast and then like the Sean brothers coming in. I thought that would have been like a really cool scene. To, yeah, they also... to like show that the Sean brothers were like a part of the whole system. I feel like that could have been an easy scene to implement. <laughs> um, like without going too much longer or... I don't know. I, don't, I was really looking forward to that scene, and I didn't see it. So, in the house explosion yeah. scene, Molly did come home from from their house, which I thought was super interesting. And you wouldn't know about that if you didn't read the book. But how she was at the house, with, I think. Well, some, they they like, mention it. They're like the her and the kids were at the house, and and then because then Ernest goes like, "You really shouldn't be like out." Yeah, you shouldn't stay out. Yeah, but you I don't think people out. if you don't read. I don't the book, people don't connect. Yeah, out. I don't. I don't think people connect on that stuff. I did catch that, so I was glad that they admit, like put it some part with that. For sure. Um, there was any other scenes that you thought that they missed? Yes, uh, James Big Heart and W. W. Vaughn storyline. There was nothing about that. We got the two murders: one of the PI and one of I forget the name of the guy who originally was sent to Washington. So we did get that piece. Like, uh, they violently murdered some of the white people that got involved. I think W.W. Vaughn is maybe the most, and James Bigheart is maybe the most important of those that uh, 
basically have it solved and and die at the hands of the people who are involved i think we see uh what's his name not we see him but we don't get like an actual name to a face i think he's depicted in a couple of scenes like where they're going to the bank to ask for like guardianship or whatnot or i think we see it a couple of times but i don't think they can ever connect it which i think would have been helpful in terms of like underlying the web of yeah evil that was there yeah All right. We have, uh, uh, do we have any Scott Mathis. Where was Scott Mathis? I think he was maybe in there once or twice, but Remind me who Scott he was Mathis not highlighted. Owner, owner of the Gray Horse like trading store, trading post, and then seven of his nine guardians died. Yeah. Uh, any overall thoughts? I think definitely should go see the movie. I think it's a, a movie that everyone deserves to see even if they don't read the book i think it's an important story and even if it's not told to the lengths that the book is i think it's definitely worth um, educating yourself on what what was going on this time watch the movie and then read the last part of the book i would say read the whole book yeah. but well yeah more, more detail, but... i think we're being tough critics i i, I think that it is so hard to for a movie to live up to what we just scored as a nine book. So I still thought it was a great movie. Uh, it just didn't live up to what the book was. Simple. I mean, anytime you have an IMBD of score in the eights, IMBD is one of like the hardest like critics of movies. Like overall, anytime you have something in the eight, I think this movie currently sits in 8.3. Like, you know, it's a good movie. It's Scorsese. It's well shot. It's well cinematography is pretty cool i think some of the shots uh were done like acting's great so it's a good movie but it, it's just it's so hard to tell this book in its full justice given all the detail that we know so i think this just reiterates the point that you should definitely read this book to get the full story i agree with the cinematography the the scene so uh hale starts to burn his ranch a little bit and then you get the scene with molly and uh and ernest in their bedroom and then like you kind of have the red uh in the background behind the curtains i thought that was a sick scene just yeah. visually like i said well directed like, well shot well acted all of those things very true my grandma texted me right, Tyler, morning. tyler's trying to wrap it up yeah i was gonna i was gonna give one last quote for my uh for my grandma uh, okay go ahead. she asked me she asked me because she knew i was reading it and then she's like, have you seen the movie yet? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, what'd you think? And I was like, uh, I thought the movie was pretty good, but the book was probably better. And she hit me with, the book is always better than the movie. <laughs> you could just accomplish so much more in, a, in 330 pages than you can tell in three hours and 30 minutes. So. Yeah. That's fair. Tyler, isn't your grandfather uh, really interested stage? in oh. American history? He is. I, I would have to, I'll have to give him a call to see what he knows about the Osage. Um, but I think he's a big he was a big Cherokee guy. Um, big into Cherokee history. He donated a couple of things to the museum that he had accumulated over the years. You know, back to the Cherokee. So, um, yeah, I'll have to ask him how much he they were rivals. The weren't weren't the Osage and the Cherokees rivals? Or am I wrong about that? It might have been another C. Don't right. quote me. There's Choctaw too. There's don't don't quote me on that though. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Indian relationships were not always the, the simplest. Yep. 
All right. Uh, I think I think we should go around, uh, give a score. Uh, maybe not a full in depth of why. I mean, because we've talked about that over the last fifteen minutes, but a score and a quick summary of why you give it. I just want to say my. I give it an uh, since I give the book an eight nine. I give it around an eight. I think it does its job. It tells the story. Like if you had known known nothing, you at least understand the atrocities that were done to those agents, at least in some extent. You might not know the whole web, but I agree. I think that it's just too hard to tell the story in a movie a lot of time. I think a miniseries would be the best format to tell this story. Obviously, we didn't get that. Um, but I think anytime you watch a Scorsese movie, you know it's going to be well-directed, well-shot, and well-acted. And I think we that checked all those boxes. So definitely will be up there come award season. Uh, definitely recommend to see it. I'll, uh, I'll give it a 7.6. Seven, uh <laughs> Dude, that was my score. Damn it. Uh, I'll give it a 7.62534 like Tyler likes to do. Um, pi. 7.pi. Seven, seven. Seven yeah. uh, I, thought, I thought it was a good overall movie, and I think, I think it gave a lot of perspective that the book couldn't really give in terms of just relationships like I talked about. So I thought that was a neat add-on. I just overall don't know if it captured completely what exactly occurred during that time period and as we find out even before that time period and after which i think i would have liked to have got a little more insight not personally because obviously i got that insight from the book but just for people that were watching the movie and didn't have the background knowledge from the book and i think overall i did enjoy the book better so there's that nothing else that i really need to say i'll uh Amen. <laughs> Am I allowed to give my review? Or? Well, we're keeping the same order. Are uh, we not? No, I'm joking. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you. Uh, also, seven six. Uh, I, I thought that Scorsese fit every piece of the story, except for the the Vaughn and the James Bigheart piece into the movie, which is really impressive uh, for a story with as many intricacies in this complex so credit to him for that i thought maybe he just focused on uh the wrong two people too much uh which maybe as a director uh your hand is kind of forced into doing that uh i just didn't like it i thought some of the performances were awesome lily gladstone was awesome um i thought scorsese's interpretation of gray matter where you can take some liberties uh from the book uh like i said leo and De Niro's relationship that that being one of those gray area pieces i thought he did a good job with that and some of the other ones so seven six i'll go my score is going to be a seven nine uh echo a lot of the same things that you guys said uh my main point is going to be Lily Gladstone for Best Actress. That is, that is my takeaway. Recording. I don't know if she'll win. She'll get. She might get. I don't know if she'll, what they'll portray her as. I think that's leading actress. She considered supporting. Yeah, she is kind of leading. Because technically, De Niro. I mean, not De Niro. Um, DiCaprio is probably going to be the because it's told through his perspective. Yeah, I think they give her supporting. So, but I think she deserves it either way. Um, be interesting to see what the academy rolls up. You know, you know, there's always some shit going on. With the academy. <laughs> I just hope Don't he gets the, 
they'll find a way to rob her somehow. It seems like social media is giving her the recognition she deserves. So at least we have that. All right. Um, any other thoughts on the movie uh, before we wrap this up and move move to our next book? All right. Welcome back. Um, so now what we're going to do is we're going to spin for our next book by using the wheel. The wheel is just. Um, so which of the members of the audience, they picked a starting five of five books um, that they would like to read next. And we've all put them on the wheel now, which you're seeing on our, your screen. I will quickly go through the list of books that we have on the docket. So we have Death in the Haymarket, Ghost of the Tsunami, How Music Got Free, The Bridge at Andu, The Road at, Ch at Jonestown, Blood Meridian, In Order to Live, Ghost Soldiers, The Devil's Highway, 438 Days, The Last Rhinos, Trouble Boys, Casino Royale, the Wild Cure, Cobalt Red, In Cold Blood, 1984, A Flicker in the Dark, The Wager, and All the Sin All the Sinners Bleed. Um, what we'll do is we will, once we get to a, a top five or, or remaining five, we will detail those remaining five. Um, but yeah, the wheel is just. Kevin Kevin has something to say, it looks like. Brazil's no, just showing all the viewers the bridge at Andrew. Like, I, yeah, no one, no one cares. I, the viewers can't see that. It's only you guys. So Okay. <laughs> okay, well, look, the wheel is just... At least this has reviews. Yeah, are we going to talk about, are we gonna talk about what, what just happened? Yeah, so uh, viewers, uh, we already recorded a wheel spin, but uh, the book that was picked had five... Five ratings and zero reviews on uh on uh, it's got a four point eight on Goodreads. <laughs> six six ratings, uh and like three reviews. I don't know, something like that. We it's weren't actually sure if the right book was even portraying to us. So we just decided to redo it. Um I think every member in the group was okay with that just because we'd be going back to World War II Japan, something we just talked about two books ago. So the pub the publisher was Booklocker.com Incorporated. Okay. Which without further ado, let's get like to the wheel. Let's get to the wheel. All right. Let's spin. Let's... Hopefully I fare better this time than last time. Once again, we're spinning. If it lands on it, it gets eliminated until we're at the last one. Casino Real. It's like I'm not. It's gonna... it's like I'm not. <laughs> God. <laughs> Gone. Sorry. Jared. Art. Never stood a chance. <laughs> The bridge and do for all the help. Oh, thank, thank God! Thank God! Fuck <laughs> It's got a, it's got it's got four stars on Goodreads. You guys need to call it down. Devil's Highway. Well, <laughs> Christian's new. Hey, that would have been the other old book. So, see ya. Wheels just wheel don't lie. Wheels just ghost soldiers. I think that's Christian's book as well. Uh, that's a World War Two one, so we have no more World War Two left, which is we have no no more World War Two with different topic. Blood Meridian, just no, like, no. one of the no, finals from last time. I'm getting fiction is gone. Kevin, I think Kevin saw us all five. Yep, Kevin, the wheels. Been I was trying to, to keep it. Ghost trying to keep tsunami. it. Tsunami, but uh, it's kind of interested in that book. Yeah, I swear to God, how music got free stays. <laughs> well, my books are just fucking spinning. Oh no, it's it's it went all the way up. Yeah, in order to, I look. wanted that one. That one sounded That's good. North Korea. Yeah. So we have a good chance of getting a fiction book because I think all of them are still in there. Oh, besides Casino Royale, uh, two of mine got eliminated. Oh. 
I mean, and, uh, it just keeps going to the same part of the wheel. Uh, we lose the Colts book, the book about the mass suicide of Jim Jones and his Colts. Uh, that was my favorite, but... I'm starting to question if my books have any reviews. It just keeps spinning the same part of the wheel. <laughs> the music Thank happened. God. That book fucking blew. Looked like it blew, at least. <laughs> Darn it. I'm, really I'm going to read about illegal downloads of music on my iPod Touch in 2004. Cobalt Red. Cobalt Red. Gone. Damn. Sucker. Damn. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that one. I do not want to read 1984. Well, it's gone. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> That's good. How many do we have remaining? I, mean, I do not. I do not read uh, Death in the Haymarket. <laughs> oh my god. It's magic. It's magic. Can I try and call it again? Just call it. You're on a fire. Pass of the Rocks. I don't know what that one is. Yeah, get rid of all the centers, please. No, the last the last rhinos. Don't want to read that one. The last rhinos. Will the rhinos be extinct again? Let's see. A flicker in something. Uh, a flicker in the dark. Actually, that was actually good. That's tough. Right. That was a fiction one. Gone. Two more spins until we're down to five. We're gonna really lose all the sinners. Please, yes, yeah, yes. That was my book. <laughs> and one more spin. Before we get to five. Is that the one where I'm, I'm what it even is? Yeah. Four hundred thirty-eight days. We're losing one of the ship books. Look, I'm out. Okay. So we're down to our final five? Yeah, I'm out as well. Uh, okay. oh. so, so I'll go in order. The Last Rhinos is about um, a, conser a conservationist and his fight to save the, one of the world's greatest creatures, the last white rhino. Um, we have Trouble Boys, which is the story of the 1980s band, The Replacements and their drug addiction and how they kind of fell. Um, the... Wild Cure is about a cancer survivor and his fight or and his will to try to swim one of Oregon's longest rivers. Um, we have Blood, which is Kevin. That's it's about a story of a family that was found dead with shotgun bullets just in their faces, all four of them. And it's about the the murder mystery and the true crime that happened in that town. And then the wager. That one is a David Graham book, actually. So same author as Killer of the Flower Moon. And that one is about a shipwreck. Uh, a ship in 1740 was trying to make a secret mission, and then they were discovered, 30 of them, in the shipwreck. According to reports, that's going to be Scorsese's final movie. So, Okay. Well, Wheel is just. Can't go wrong here. The Wild Cure... Uh, be two. Uh, Gone. It's a two v two. My best two. My best two versus your best two. Oh no! Oh, we're, we're, we're all winners here. We're, we think we're all winners here. We're losing the wager. David Grant will not get a repeat. Fine with that. So, so we're down to a rock band, um, the Rhinos, and uh, murder mystery. Is there is there any fiction in here? No, no. mine's nonfiction thriller, true crime. Okay. Okay. Here we go. They're all nonfiction. Oh my gosh, we're gonna lose in cold blood. Oh, so Christ! Christians, Christians, <laughs> he's shaking. 
<laughs> I want to read about the rhinos. I want to read about the rhinos personally. I've heard that book is really good. It's, it's more about politics than, than than the I would say the rhinos. If I had to imagine, but we'll see. And Trouble Boys is about the band the replacements. The nineteen eighties band the replacements. Yes. All right. I, th- okay. I thought it'd be interesting since we're all we're all movie we're all music people. Um, we haven't read about a band, so. Here we go, folks. Whoever this lands on is getting eliminated. Remember, Jared. Yeah, I, I mistakenly got blue balls the last time. I thought we were reading Blood Meridian. Mistakenly, we are reading about the rhinos, Christian. Instant thoughts, presser. Uh, I'll keep. I'll keep an open mind. Good. I'm actually excited to read. A new continent. I think we haven't read about Africa. I don't believe. Have we? No. no. Uh, right. No. All right. Well, this book this book is on Goodreads. I can confirm. It is a real book. It is a real book. Um, I forget the conservationist's name, but I think he recently passed away, which is sad. But four point four three. Two hours. You want, to read the, you, you want to read the synopsis? I think Lawrence Anthony passed away, if I remember. All right, so when Lawrence Anthony learned that the northern white rhino living in the war-ravaged Congo was on the very brink of extinction, he knew he had to act. If the world lost the subspecies, it would be the largest land mammal since the woolly mammoth to go extinct. In The Last Rhinos, Anthony recounts his attempts to save these animals. The demand for rhino horns in the Far East has turned poaching into a dangerous black market that threatens the lives of not just these rare beasts, but also the rangers who protect them. The northern white rhino's last refuge was in an area controlled by the infamous Lord's Resistance Army, one of the most vicious rebel groups in the world. In the face of unmoving government bureaucracy, Anthony made a perilous journey deep into the jungle to try and convince them to help save the rhino. Okay. Okay. A little bit more to it than I thought. A little bit more to it than I thought. War ravaged Congo? Kind of interesting. I think it's going to be really good. I think I'm hopeful. I think we're on a good rhythm now. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're ready to roll. I think, I mean, I, I'm just excited. That's something new that we haven't, I that's what my main thing was with the wheel. I just wanted to read something that was like a departure within something that we've read before. I think this qualifies as something at least new in theory. Yeah. All right. You want to sign us off? Yeah. So our next book obviously will be the last rhinos. Um, we will be starting that at our first episode in two weeks from now, but we thank you guys all for listening to this long episode, but we really had a lot of fun doing it, uh, especially talking between Killers and Flower Moon. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you guys with episode one for The Last Rhinos. Goodbye. Peace.